The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a Chief Compliance Officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox, and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This month, I welcome Jonathan Kellerman. Jonathan is a partner at Stone Turn and a former CCO at Allergan. Over the four episodes, we begin with why Jonathan chose compliance. He grew up in a family of doctors, yet gravitated to consulting practice around healthcare services. His early professional career in consulting and building out compliance programs in healthcare. His move to the CCO chair at Allergan, some of the lessons learned and key initiatives. And we conclude with what's next for compliance as we look down the road as Jonathan sees compliance at a crossroads. It's a fascinating four-part exploration. I know you'll enjoy it. In part one, we answer the question, why compliance? Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and welcome to the April edition of The Compliance Life. Today, we have Jonathan Kellerman. Jonathan is now a partner at Stone Turn, but he has sat in the CCO chair, and we're going to explore how he got to that chair, what he did when he got there, and what he did when he left. And I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, series over uh, the next four weeks. So, Jonathan, first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me now. Oh, it's my pleasure, and Tom, thank you so much for having me uh, on your podcast. I uh, sincerely appreciate the opportunity to um, you know meet meet all of your followers. Uh, so, Jonathan, I was wondering if you could start off telling us a little bit about your uh, academic background and early years as a professional. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, yeah, I grew up in a, a very strong medical family. My father and my uncle were physicians. Um, uh, my stepmother was a speech pathologist, uh, and they all had a very strong influence on me. Um, and um, you know, they really started my deep appreciation for uh, an interest in healthcare. You know, as a profession, um, I was a pre-med student all through college at Franklin and Marshall. Uh, I was certainly contemplating a career as a physician, uh, something to follow in my father's footsteps. Um, right before graduation, however, I made the tough call uh, to not go to med school. I, I decided that I did not want to practice medicine. Uh, I was still very interested in the healthcare field. Uh, but my interest and passion was more so from a business perspective. So after I graduated FNM, I took a job as, as a uh, consulting associate with a regional healthcare consulting firm um, called Zelenkovsky Axelrod. I worked there for four years, uh, and it proved to be an extraordinarily strong foundation for me for learning how the healthcare delivery model works and how each stakeholder in the process contributes and works together uh, and that really served as my critical kind of functional knowledge base uh, related to healthcare operations, process controls across the value chain. And this was early, even before compliance really became uh, an issue in the, you know, in the healthcare space. This was really more focused on, you know, M&A activity, uh, due diligence, operations, et cetera, before the big boom hit uh, for compliance. Um, so I was there for four years. And then a friend of mine who I'd worked with there 
left the firm and went to join Coopers and Libran. And after a few weeks being there, um, he gave me a call and he said, uh, I really think you should come over here and, and uh, interview. They have this new healthcare consulting practice that's growing here in our Philadelphia office. Uh, and they're looking to hire, you know, some experienced consultants to come in. And, you know, there's a lot of excitement going on around that. So I went over, I interviewed, um, I got hired on the spot and thus began my 20 year career at uh, PwC. So one of the things that strikes me about that story, Jonathan, is uh, certainly an interest and perhaps even a passion around medicine, healthcare, life science services, uh, yet uh, making the decision not to practice as a physician, but still maintaining that interest uh, and passion in, in those uh, sorts of activities. Is that, uh, would that be a fair assessment of part of your journey? Uh, that would be, um, absolutely would be. In fact, I, I, I joke about, uh, about it a lot, but, um, you know, my father used to actually advise me, advise all of us kids, um, and I grew up in a large family of uh, seven kids, uh, advised all of us not to go into practicing medicine. Um, I was one of who listened to his advice. Um, two of my brothers went into being doctors, so did one of my sisters. Uh, so you could see the, the healthcare, you know, community expanded pretty significantly with my brothers and sisters. But it was something I, I was definitely very passionate about. I worked in the summers in hospitals, uh, you know, in internships, and was always fascinated by healthcare. Uh, but I was actually just more interested in the operations of healthcare, how it worked, uh, and how the different uh, stakeholders in the value chain worked together in a very complex ecosystem. And I wanted to be part of that on some level. Um, I didn't know exactly what that meant yet. But that was something I was very much looking to explore. Jonathan, um, I'm not sure which industry really was the first that compliance sprung out of. Some say uh, aerospace because of government regulations. Others say healthcare and life sciences because of regulatory changes made in the 90s. Um, others point to other industries, but certainly healthcare leads the front on that. And I was wondering, although we didn't perhaps call it compliance, uh, in the 90s or in the early to mid 90s, what were some of the projects and things you did which were clearly compliance inspired that really led you to some of the other innovations and developments later in your career? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. And, and it's one as a compliance professional for over 26 years, we've, we've often debated. Uh, I think the concept of compliance had very strong roots in financial services uh, and, and the insurance and banking industries as well uh, as aerospace. I think aerospace kind of came on a little bit after that. But the, the kind of the roots of what good uh, corporate ethics and compliance was had a very strong foundation in, in, in that sector. Um, when I joined Coopers and Libran, which then became PwC, it was an interesting uh, right place at right time opportunity for me. Um, because when I joined, uh, the government had just started to really focus on healthcare, particularly the healthcare provider sector. Uh, in terms of fraud, abuse, and, and waste, False Claims Act. Uh, and they were going after hospitals, large health systems, large um, healthcare providers like ESRD facilities and clinics, et cetera, for you know, fraud and, and uh, abuse and waste. And you know, Philadelphia happened to be kind of the ground zero uh, of much of their first wave of investigations. They were looking at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital and University of Pennsylvania Health System and Temple Health System, uh, and they were all under investigation and they all had significant settlements uh, with the government. And as part of those settlements, 
this concept of having a compliance officer, someone who is responsible for ensuring that the right governance, controls, processes were in place to manage compliance with laws and regulations. This idea was born out of these settlements with these hospitals. And we as a practice were sitting right there while it was happening. And they were our clients already in other areas. So we saw this as a golden opportunity for us to quickly come up to speed on you know, what compliance meant in healthcare and really help define that and control the narrative associated with compliance in healthcare. So myself and um, you know, a, a team of individuals led by then partner John Dugan, who was one of my you know, early mentors, um, started to build this practice to help companies not only look for who were the right people to be compliance officers, but to help them think through what an effective compliance program would look like. And we looked at the federal sentencing guidelines and we looked at um, OIG guidance and we looked at the, you know, the seven elements of an effective compliance program. And these were the early frameworks. We looked at other industries like, like financial services, banking, insurance, aerospace, to see what they were doing with compliance and how their compliance officers were defining their roles. And, uh, you know, that gave us a really strong foundation. And we partnered with these uh, large healthcare organizations and uh, helped them actually implement very effective compliance programs. And that put us at the forefront, frankly, in the consulting world um, in terms of our qualifications and capabilities to serve as advisors to boards and executives and CCOs uh, in the area of compliance. In fact, the industry's first true compliance officer in the healthcare provider side was a man by the name of Brent Saunders, who went on to become not only a, a partner at PwC when we hired him away from uh, Jefferson, uh, he was my partner and, and and probably my greatest influence in my career from a coaching and mentoring perspective. But then he went on to be my client when he went on to other you know other companies after PwC, and then went on to be my boss uh, at Allergan for the last seven years. So um, you know it's a small world to some extent, but as the kind of the wind shifted from healthcare provider into the pharma life sciences space. That's when we you know, took the model of success that we had in building out um, effective compliance programs for the healthcare provider industry, and we morphed it over into the pharma space because we realized the, the, the regulatory focus was going to shift uh, pretty significantly, and it did. And we were lucky enough to have a successful model already in place that we were able to rebuild for pharma life sciences. And when companies like Bayer and TAP um, you know, and some of the other ones started to get you know their large investigations and their very significant settlements that required uh, chief compliance officers, effective compliance programs, um, independent review organizations. We were there already with the clout and credibility to be able to help them work through that, and and we served as their compliance advisors, not only in building out their programs, but for many we served as compliance experts for the board. We served as their CIA, uh, CIA IROs. Um, and, and we had a, you know, we had a great opportunity to expand in life sciences on a global scale. I was wondering if I could pick up on that last point, which is the global scale. Uh, and well, I was going to ask you, but now that you've identified that about the global work and really was, were you able to take the same context you developed in the United States and move it global or because of, um, Healthcare services, in large part, being regulated, and even government agencies outside the United States. Did you have to change your approach? I think it's a combination of both. Tom, um, the core components of compliance. When you think about, you know, ethical business decision making and uh, the concept of of, of smart controls, um, they really they transcend geography. 
they transcend, you know, the type of environment you're working in. Um, you know, being smart about how you're engaging with customers, being smart about how you're engaging with patients, uh, being diligent in how you're reviewing third parties. These are core concepts that carry across wherever you are uh, geographically. Um, so I think there's a strong component uh, of compliance and ethics um, that is easily portable or trans transferable no matter where you are, whether a U.S.-based company, a European-based company, or a, global, a company with a global footprint like Allergan, where I spent the last uh, seven years. The, those core concepts really resonate no matter where you are and really serve as the kind of the linchpin or the, the you know, the, the string that cuts across you know, all elements of, of operations and practice. Now, that being said, there is a uniqueness to the rest of the world when it comes to compliance, because the driver is very much um, uh, focused on um, anti-bribery or anti-corruption. Those are very big drivers of compliance, uh, which is a little bit different than in the U.S., um, which is more fraud and uh, false claims and things like that. There are similar similarities and parallels, of course, but anti-bribery and anti-corruption really is a key driver of the, you know, the concept of, of smart uh, controls, both operational, financial, and compliance, but also good, you know, good compliance, uh, foundational components, training and, and, and monitoring and auditing, et cetera. So um, there's a lot that you can, there's a lot you can build on and there should be consistency across all elements of your business, regardless of where you, you, you do your business geographically. Uh, but there's some unique natures. Plus you have to deal with individual country laws and regulations. You know, a great example is my time at Allergan. You know, the 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 laws and regulations in China are very different than those in Brazil, and are very different than those in Russia. And each has you know a specific area of focus, um, has a, a significant amount of intensity from a regulatory oversight perspective. Um, but you have to be able to not only manage this from the ground up locally in terms of understanding the local laws and regulations, the culture locally and being able to adapt locally, but you also have to then come from the top down in terms of what are the core values of your compliance and ethics program that should cover you no matter where you are. So there's a standard of controls that are in place that will be in place no matter where you are. How you engage with a customer there's five or six core elements. It will be the same no matter whether you're in Shanghai or Sao Paulo or in you know in you know some in Rome, and you, you, it shouldn't matter where you are. Those will be the same. But there are elements that you have to think about that are very unique locally. So that, that does provide a very unique challenge right now. Well, Jonathan, unfortunately, we are near the time end of the time for this episode. But I hope our listeners will join us. Uh, tomorrow, where we take a look at your move into the CCO chair at Allergan. Um, before we end, I wanted to ask you if listeners wanted any more information on yourself or perhaps even to contact you, uh, how could they do so? That, uh, that would be great. I appreciate that. And thank you for the opportunity today. Um, best way to get a hold of me is either by email at jkellerman, K-E-L-L-E-R-M-A-N, at stoneturn.com, or feel free to just call me directly on my cell, 973-610-5260. I would you know, welcome the opportunity to talk with anyone about, uh, about compliance and about what we're doing. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Compliance Life, and I hope you'll join us for our next episode. If I could ask you to please leave a review on iTunes, it would greatly help our rankings. Also, please consider subscribing to this podcast or any of the others on the Compliance Podcast Network. You can do so at 
the Compliance Podcast Network, which is www.compliancepodcastnetwork.net, or the FCPA Compliance Report, which is fcpacompliancereport.com. Thanks again for listening. E-Compliance Life is a production of Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.